Time now to talk college football with Phil Steele. You read his magazine. You see him on social media. Now we got a few minutes with us with him as he joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any handset and get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Phil, good morning. Good morning. How are you, gentlemen? We're doing well. We're counting it down to football, and we're obsessed with a few things. You're talking to two guys who lived at Southern California at different points in their lives and our careers. And we know what a beast USC can be. Utah wants to beat out USC and go back to the Pac-12 title game. BYU could certainly use a big win over USC at home in September. That would be glorious. When you talk to teams, you get into a lot of the talent, the depth. and But I'm wondering with SC, how much is this about talent? And how much is the success or failure this season about leadership, confidence, chemistry, the kind of intangibles? And what kind of a read do you have on that? Well, I think the bulk of it that it went into my USC forecast was the, the overall talent they're putting on the field because this is, uh, when you look at the what they have coming back this year and the, each position, they actually rank in my top units in all eight position categories. And I think Clay Helton is a, is a good coach. And I think he's going to get much more out of this year's team than he did last year. We'll start with the quarterback. You know, you look at the JT Daniels thrown into the fire as a true freshman in fact, he was playing at Stanford and at Texas in the second and third games. Finished there with just a 14-10 ratio. I think JT Daniels, when he comes out of college, will be one of the top QBs, and he's throwing to a tremendous set of receivers. A whole bunch of guys that could be first or second-round draft picks in the NFL. They're in a new spread offense with uh, Graham Harrell calling it. So I, I look for their offense to be very potent this year. And defensively, they underachieved a little bit last year. And Clasey Pendergast has simplified the defense. Uh, when you look at the talent that they have at each position, they're very strong. Now, the schedule's not easy. They play the third toughest schedule in the country. So I don't know how big of an improvement there will be, but uh, i definitely put USC on my most improved list this year. So I believe you have Utah. You've had them forecast to win the conference, not just the division, but the conference, correct? That is correct. Okay, so then where do you see potential pitfalls along the way? Uh, for Utah this year, uh, I think that when you look at the schedule uh, in the in the conference, the two games that really stand out, the only two games that they have the potential to be an underdog in, I don't even know if they'll be an underdog in both, one will be USC on the road on a Friday. And as we've seen, uh, Utah has been able to handle, uh, was able to handle USC very easily last year, and now they get them on the road. And then the second one would be at Washington. Now, Washington does have the advantage of being off a bye for that game. Utah comes into it with their fourth straight game that they're playing. Currently in Vegas right now, Washington is an eight-point favorite in that game. But this is a Washington team that only has two returning starters on defense, and I think Utah is a significant edge on the defensive side of the ball. I love the Utes' defensive line, which I rate number one. So if I'm looking at concerns for Utah winning the Pac-12 this year, it would be at USC and at Washington. Is the Pac-12 going to get some early season credibility when Oregon plays Auburn? Who do you think wins that game? Uh, I rate the game a pure toss-up right now. I think both teams are extremely talented. Both are top-10 caliber squads. Uh, When you look at Oregon this year, they have my number one rated offensive line. They have Justin Herbert at quarterback, who I feel could be the first quarterback taken in the draft next year. And they've got practically the entire defense back. Plus, they add in a player like Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, and so this is a, a very good Oregon team, but Auburn's strong as well. 
And now Auburn's biggest question mark comes at the quarterback position. It'll be the first start for a new quarterback for Auburn. So I think that edge goes to Oregon. The advantage to uh, Auburn is the fact that, uh, you know, the SEC has done pretty well in these matchups, and they are a complete team this year with the exception of quarterback. But I, I like Joey Gatewood. He's a guy that's uh, six foot five, two thirty seven, and uh, he'll remind you a little bit of Cam Newton because he can run and pass. Also, when you look at Utah's schedule, I don't think anybody would argue as far as potential pitfalls being SC and Washington. You've already spoken to that. Both games are on the road. Uh, they got a couple of teams that they play at home that since they've been in the conference, they've struggled with a little bit, and that'd be Washington, Washington State and, and ASU. And I know certainly on paper it doesn't look like ASU would be a match, but we've said that a time or two before. Do you see any trouble there? Uh, in both games, I've got Utah uh, favored by about nine points. Uh, now, naturally, anything can happen. Hey, we saw last year Clemson went was at home against Syracuse as a, about a four-touchdown favorite, and they needed a fourth-down conversion at the end of the game to pull out a win. So that's a beautiful thing about college football is anything can happen any week. But Washington State's replacing their quarterback. And remember Washington State's great record last year? Uh, I don't believe they played a team on the road that had a winning record, whereas this year they're playing uh, almost everybody on the road that had a winning record. So I think you're going to see a drop in the Washington State record this year, and it is a fairly early season trip for their new quarterback. And then with the Arizona State game, uh, as much as I like what Herm Edwards is doing there at Arizona State, I still think uh, Utah's a couple notches ahead of them. They get that game at home, and that's a big plus there. Phil Steele joining us. You read Phil Steele's college football preview. You see him on social media as well, talking about this upcoming season. Uh, we've seen college football coaches have mediocre year ones and enormous second seasons as they really get their program rolling. UCLA fans want that to be the case. Is it a longer rebuild than that, or are they going to take a big step forward this year? Uh, I think UCLA will make the step to get to bowl eligibility, but I don't know if they can do much more than that. Now, the advantage they have, and you touched on it, when a first-year head coach comes in, he has to learn the player's strengths and weaknesses. The players have to learn new schemes on both sides of the ball. Generally, there's a large learning curve. The second year, players are familiar with the systems. Coach knows the players. And he's got two years of recruiting classes brought in of his guys that fit the system. And you usually see a big bump year two and the biggest bump in year three. And with UCLA, last year they only had 11 returning starters. This year they have 19 returning starters. And I think they're in pretty good shape at the quarterback spot. If you're looking at just teams that should be much better than they were last year, UCLA fits that mold. But they do play a tough schedule. In fact, they're going to be an underdog at Cincinnati, home against Oklahoma, at Washington State, most likely at Arizona. They could be an underdog at Stanford, at Utah, at USC. So potentially coming into the season could be an underdog in as many as seven games. I think they steal at least one of those, take care of business in the games they're favored at, get to a bowl game. But I don't think we're going to see the huge improvement record that a lot of folks are thinking Chip Kelly will have. So a lot of that same philosophy with the first year and then the second year with the coach, you can apply that down in Tucson with Sumlin, obviously, and I think they disappointed last season relative to their expectations. Certainly some of the injuries that they had, particularly to Tate, is one of the factors, if not the leading factor. How much do you think they're going to be able to improve from year one into year two under Sumlin? Yeah, and Arizona made my most improved list at number eight this year, and uh, there's a couple factors going in here. When Kevin Sumlin got hired last year, he was a very late hire. In fact, 
he wasn't even able to sign any recruits. The recruiting classes were both basically signed. Uh, this year, he at least brings in his first recruiting class. But to me, the key factor with Arizona is Khalil Tate. Now, everybody thinks that with Khalil Tate last year was the change in offense, and that's the reason he wasn't running the ball. But in reality, he was banged up most of the year. And now Tate, when I talked to Coach Sumlin this year, he says Tate's healthy, and they will let him run the football, and that's going to be huge because they've got J.J. Taylor back, the diminutive running back that rushed for nearly 1,500 yards last year. They've got a veteran offensive line. The defense, led by Colin Schooler, is going to be much improved this year as well. And it is the second year for Coach Sumlin. And their schedule probably a little more palatable. They'll be an underdog at USC, at Stanford, at Oregon, home against Utah, and at Arizona State. But, you know, they they probably should have made a bowl game last year. If you're watching the Arizona State game, they're up by 19 points. I believe it was in the third quarter, ended up losing by one. They missed a field goal at the end of the game. Or they could have been in a bowl last year. I think they do get to a bowl and should be a vastly improved team, especially if Tate, Looks like he did in the early part or in the middle part of 2017 rather than the Khalil Tate we saw last year. Phil, I'm, as an Arizona State alum, uh, and you know more than me, I just want to happily correct you. Say that 19-point lead was in the fourth quarter, too. <laughs> there you go. I appreciate that. <laughs> Phil Steele joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. So you've mentioned schedule uh, several times and you've been breaking these teams down. When you look at Pac-12 schedules, are they doing it right? Do Utah and Washington play tough enough schedules? And did USC, Stanford, and and possibly UCLA too overschedule? You know, I I would if I had a nine-team conference schedule like the Pac-12 does, I think I would schedule one tough game and a couple of easier games to get some wins because you're already basically playing one tough non-conference game that the other schools are not. Uh, when you play that extra conference game. Uh, so that's how I would schedule. So I'd, I'd, be, I'd schedule more like maybe the Oregon Ducks are. And I do think Utah, if they, let's say, they ran the table this year, even playing in the Pac-12, I think the Pac-12 will gain some respect this season. Uh, you know, I've rated them the number five conference in, in the Power Five in the, each of the last two years. This year I rate them number three. Good depth throughout. You know, you look at the North. You've got four really capable teams, and Cal's on the on the rise. And in the South, you've got five teams that are all capable of getting to a bowl game. So it's a very deep. It's a deeper conference. And I think if you see Utah run the table this year, their schedule's tough enough that they would uh, definitely be able to get in the mix. Well, certainly with BYU, the way they do things as an independent, they have to schedule tough in the first part of the season in September. And in recent years, they have, and I don't wow. think this year is any exception, uh, forecast as far as what they can do just in the first month. Yeah, only team in the country to play four Power Five teams in the first four weeks of the season. Utah at Tennessee, home against USC, and home against Washington. And, you know, they're, they're probably going to end up an underdog in all four of those games coming into them. But I, I like this BYU squad. They've got 17 returning starters coming back. And really impressed with Zach Wilson, especially after the bowl game uh, and his perfection. I think if Zach Wilson can continue to keep that arrow pointed upward and improve, uh, they've got the potential here. Now, Sataki, I thought, did a great job last year getting them to seven and six. And I think they could steal a game or two. Uh, so my official call on the opening four games is going to be either one or two wins. And that would probably be two involve two upsets. And then you look at the rest of the schedule schedule gets a lot more manageable down the stretch 
They do have Boise State later in the season. Obviously, Utah State's in the same division, and they play uh, late in the year and, and could be a lot at stake there. The Broncos haven't been what they were a decade ago, but they still had some pretty good teams. How good is this one? Do you have them favored to win the conference? Yeah, I do have them favored to win the conference, and I think the uh, the advantage they have, they get most of the tough games at home, but they've been really good on the road. If you follow them the last three years, they've been a 17-3 uh, and three team on the road, and that seems to be where they play maybe their best ball. And, uh, you know, the big question mark is at quarterback. They're replacing a guy like Brett Rippon. I've got a true freshman, Hank Bachmeyer, stepping into there to the, the starting quarterback spot. We'll see if he uh, gets that, but it was a, definitely an open competition. And, of course, the running back spot you wonder about as well. Alex Madison gone. His 1,400 yards from last year need to be replaced. But offensive line looks solid. The receiving core dangerous, and the defense is strong. Uh, I, I do list Boise as the favorite in the mountain. Forecast Urban Meyer returning. I know it's not necessarily your forte, but do you think he's done? I personally do. I, I don't think he can, uh, you know, you look at the, there's a fatigue factor, a health factor, a family factor, all those things. And uh, I personally think that, that he has stepped aside for good. You mentioned earlier that you thought the Pac-12 was the third best power league. How, how do you rank the leagues? Uh, I rank, well, number one, I'm going way out on a limb here. How about the SEC? I thought you might say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going SEC one, Big Ten two. And when you look at the Big Ten, there's a lot of strength at the top. Teams like Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, and then a whole bunch of potential contenders in the West. In fact, I think everybody's a contender in the West with the exception of Illinois. Uh, number four, I went with the ACC. And then number five, the Big 12. And with the Big 12 this year, you know, there's Oklahoma, but there are some question marks with Oklahoma. And there's really you can make question marks with almost any team at the top. So I actually have the Big 12 slipping a little bit to number five. With BYU, you know, they play only three teams basically annually so far, Utah, Utah State, and Boise. And when they play the Pac-12, well, we follow it, both of us uh, grew up in the area, so we know those schools. But, you know, we come in a little shy with our knowledge on some of these other teams that they use to fill out their schedules. And this year being potential trap games, and you would be able to answer this because this is your area and you know this stuff inside and out. So I wanted to ask you about Toledo and South Florida as far as what are your expectations for them to give us an idea when BYU plays those teams. Yeah, and I went through the entire season for BYU, and, and there are a couple of toss-up games on my schedule, which include, by the way, the Washington game. I think BYU's in a good situation there, catching a young Washington team early in the season at home. Uh, but a couple other toss-up games are two you just touched on. Now, with Toledo, I have them winning the, uh, the big, or the, excuse me, the Mac West this year. When you look at Toledo, Jason Candle had a, an off year last year. But this year they've got uh, Gadani back at QB. I think a lot went out the window when he got hurt last year. Brent Kobach and Shaquille Seymour, two running backs you got to keep your eyes on. And the receiving core, despite losing some big-time players, still looks solid. The offensive line, good, and overall the defense is strong. And so this uh, a Toledo team that I think wins the MAC West this year. They're very tough at home, 48-14 and 14 over the last uh, 10 years at home. So that's going to be a tough game for BYU. And with South Florida, 
they were probably the fakest team in all of football last year midseason. I think they opened up uh, 7-0, and and when they were 7-0, and you looked at their wins, and they were playing weak teams and barely getting past them. Uh, in fact, lucky to get past a couple of them, and that's why in the second half of the season, I was going against South Florida on a weekly basis, and they ended up losing their last six games. They took on six bowl teams. They lost them all, but this year's South Florida team is stronger. They're much more experienced. they got nine returning starters on offense. They've got a quarterback in Blake Barnett, who is my number three-rated quarterback coming out of high school, originally signed at Alabama. They've got a running back in Jordan Cronkite, who is my number 29-rated running back out of high school, originally signed at Florida. So there is good talent there. And I think this year's South Florida team probably a touchdown better. Plus, they've got an advantage in that particular game. In the fact, they've got the South Florida heat going for them at that time of year. And usually the Florida teams do well in October because the opposition not quite used to the the type of heat that they have there. The good thing news for BYU, BYU comes in off a bye, and I rate that one a toss-up. Uh, along the same lines, Tennessee coming off a 5-7 and seven year, 2-6, and six, last place in their division in the SEC. How tough will they be for BYU Week 2? What's Tennessee got? Uh, they are my number seven most improved team in the country coming into the season. And talking to Coach Pruitt this spring, I get the feel that he's much happier with the personnel that he has this year as opposed to last year. And Garantano, a quarterback, is a guy that's tough. He's got the arm talent. He's smart. And he showed a lot of improvement in the spring. In fact, he was the MVP of the spring game. And last year, his stats weren't bad, 63% 12-3 ratio. And I think he is the true team leader. They're loaded in the backfield, led by Ty Chandler. Uh, they've, you know, when uh, Pruitt took over, he wanted the bigger offensive linemen, bigger tight ends. He's got that now. And defensively, I think he's got his players that are, are stepping into it and, and should play better. It's a team that went on the road last year and beat Auburn. 30-24 to 24 is a large underdog. So it's, they're a very capable team. I have Tennessee a slight favorite in that game, a three-point favorite. Not that it matters that much, but it's always fun to talk about. Who are some of your Heisman candidates at this point? Well, you know, once again, going way out on a limb with uh, Tua Tungavailoa and uh, Trevor Lawrence. Probably don't have to say a lot about those guys. Lawrence is my favorite to win the Heisman. Uh, But a couple other names to toss out at you, and maybe maybe a couple of surprises. How about Shea Patterson of Michigan? And he's about 40-1 to coming into the season. But I have high expectations for Michigan. I think that they have the potential to make the playoff this year. And when you look at Shea Patterson, they're bringing a new offense coordinator in Josh Gaddis. Gaddis is bringing in the spread. So instead of running a fullback and two tight ends like Michigan's been running, they're going to let Shea Patterson play to his strengths. He's got a dynamic receiving quarter throw to an outstanding offensive line. I think Shea Patterson, especially if Michigan runs the table, will have a mix to enter into that. And then naturally you have to go with the transfer quarterback at Oklahoma. They've won the Heisman each of the last two years. And Jalen Hurts is the most accomplished quarterback to step in here. He was 26-2 and as a starter at Alabama. And uh, I think that Lincoln Riley can get the most out of him. He'll be in the mix. And then how about this one? Adrian Martinez of Nebraska. He's the perfect fit for that uh, Nebraska offense under Scott Frost. Frost offenses usually have the quarterback put up some big-time stats, and Martinez, now a true sophomore, had a pretty good year as a true freshman last year, uh, and I have big expectations for Nebraska. In fact, they're my number one most improved team in the country, and I've projected them to win the West. So if those teams do as well as I thought, these players do as well as I think, they'll all be Heisman contenders. Phil Steele joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You already told us Boise State was going to win the Mountain West, in your opinion. Uh, Gary Anderson's second tour at Utah State with non-conference road games at Wake Forest and LSU. 
conference road games at San Diego State and Fresno State. They do get Boise State at home. Will he make it to eight wins? Will they make it to second place behind Boise since you already picked them to win the Mountain West? I think Utah State's biggest uh, foe as far as sec- getting the second place in the Mountain West. And, and really, it, they are a uh, contender in the Mountain. There's no doubt about it. In fact, I rate the Boise game uh, a toss-up game. But they do have to play Fresno on the road. They play Air Force on the road this year. San Diego State on the road. Those are three pretty tough road tests. And keep in mind, they only have two returning starters on the offense. Now, it helps that one of them is Jordan Love, the quarterback, because Jordan Love is a dynamic QB that had a 33-6 ratio. But I am a little concerned about the offensive line. Uh, you know, it's, a, it's something where uh, their offensive coordinator, uh, Sanford said that the size won't be an issue on the offensive line. They just lack experience. They only have one starter back. Defensively, they're going to be good. I mean, they've got one of the better linebacking cores in the country. Uh, secondary might be the biggest concern there where they lose a couple of uh, two or three key starters there. But I think the schedule is my biggest concern when it came to Utah State as well as the inexperience on the offense. And playing San Diego State, Air Force, and Fresno all on the road might not get them into contention for the mountain. We follow Virginia a little bit because of Bronco Mendenhall. He took a lot of his staff with him from BYU over there. Uh, they've made pretty good improvements since he's been there. What do you forecast them in the coastal of the ACC? You know, they're picking up a lot of votes as the preseason favorite in the coastal after the way they finished off last year, blowing out uh, South Carolina in the bowl game 28 to nothing. Mendenhall, when I talked to him last year, went over the defense with them. They were young, and yet they still played very well. And this year they've got eight returning starters. So that defense is a top-20 defense, and uh, that Mendenhall's got working for him, and he's got a pretty good quarterback. Bryce Perkins stepped in as a transfer QB last year. Uh, Arizona State transfer, by the way. Uh, 25-9 ratio, and he also ran for 923 yards. Now, they do lose a 1,000-yard running back, but I thought the offense revolved completely around Bryce Perkins last year. He's got three starting offensive linemen back with him. He's got some talent at receiver and at running back. I think Virginia's a contender uh, in the Coastal, uh, but uh, I don't know if they're going to get too much. I don't know if they can win the Coastal. I went with Miami uh, to win the Coastal this year. Phil, uh, we can't let you go without picking that championship game. Uh, is it just Alabama and Clemson? I mean, so, no. Yeah, it's, yeah, not a shocker that that's my pick to get there. And uh, But the good news is, you know, you go back to last year, and uh, Clemson went into the Syracuse or hosted Syracuse as a yeah. four-touchdown favorite, and they needed a fourth-down conversion by a, a third-string quarterback late in the game or they would have lost. And had they lost to Syracuse, Syracuse would have had the same record as them in the division. Syracuse would have been the ACC championship game, and Clemson might have even missed the playoffs. So the beautiful thing about college football is anything can happen on a weekly basis. Uh, but, yeah, I went with Alabama and Clemson. Uh, I'm not a dummy. Okay. <laughs> All right, Phil. Hey, we appreciate a few minutes, and uh, good luck with the magazine again this year. Not that you need it probably, but good luck anyway. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Always enjoy talking football with you guys. A lot of fun this morning. No, Phil, yeah, you aren't a dummy. No. Alabama Clemson. When does it change from everyone hates Alabama to everyone hates Clemson and is cheering for Alabama to knock off Clemson? Because now they've got two of the last three, right? If you win two more. That's how much it takes to hate Alabama? Maybe, maybe one more. Because people just hate a winner. They don't want people to win. But Nobody they, in this world likes winners. They But they do, Adrian. As long as what? They just like winners. They They... they it's a weird conundrum. 
People want to see the gritty underdog, but in the end, they want to see the big dog. Win. Right, but they cheering for Clemson isn't exactly cheering for the gritty underdog. Clemson has been a cool story, though. You have to give them credit. They've built from almost nothing, seemingly, because Dabo's done some heavy lifting. It's been a decade-long process there. and got to pay a lot of players. They've paid a lot of money, absolutely. Paid a lot of players, Jake, okay, to well, get there. That's another story for you another gotta day. got to pay a lot of under-the-table players. they have won two of the last three championships. Yeah. All right, coming up on the other side, we'll react to some of what Phil Steele said. Also, uh, five minutes of soccer with Jay Catch. That's all coming up here on the Saturday Show. Welcome on back to the Saturday Show. I'm Jay Catch. He's Adrian Leiser, and we're having a blast. About halfway through the show today, thanks again for joining us. We are brought to you by Stockton 12 Honda, our home down there in the Southtown Automall. Go check them out. Got great deals all the time and a great service department, plain and simple. All right, Adrian. Yeah, you brought your car in last I did, and it was a blast. They did a great job with it. Uh, Adrian, let's talk for a minute here about what's going on with Phil Steele and some of the comments he made to DJ and PK yesterday. I think the biggest thing is Utah fans, according to Phil Steele, make your plans for Pasadena on New Year's Day. I think that's an exciting thing if you're a Utah fan. Yeah, I think Utah has as good a chance to win the Pac-12 as a whole this year than they have any other year. Yeah, as you you've think. Got, you've yeah. got a down south, and this is all conjecture, right? We're just yes. guessing on these things. But you got a down south, USC, a team that totally underperforms under a coach who can't figure out how to use all the talent. So you get them before Urban Meyer comes in, hopefully. Yeah. And uh, Arizona – Arizona State, a lot of question marks. Um, UCLA, I can't expect them to make that giant jump. Colorado. So you're looking at the South, and you're thinking, you get past USC, you might be okay. Their crossover games are not those uh, monsters in the North yeah. that they have had. Um, still some tough games. You have to face Washington still, but yeah, they're, still, they're, they're reloading. Like they, But you lost. don't have them all. you got Oregon yeah. State and Cal this year yes, on the schedule. You, you and avoid then, Oregon. And um, the North... Oregon's probably the best team. Washington, I mean, we can give the benefit of the doubt to Washington, much like we do with Utah, when you think that defense is going to be just fine no matter who the new names are. Yeah. I think you can give Washington that because of Coach Peterson's history in a couple of places. Okay. Like, he's generally been able, when he was at Boise State, mm-hmm. they were generally able to reload after they would move on from a QB or someone on offense. True. So we can assume, based on his coaching you know, his past that his he may be record, able to yeah. his track record, yeah. May be able to retool with somebody who's going to be pretty good at Washington. So the North is interesting. I thought I think I saw CBS Sports had Washington State tenth in their preseason top twenty five. So wow. a lot of question marks around the North, but uh and of course Utah has Washington State this year. So it should be interesting, but as good a chance as any to get to the title game. Mm-hmm. And if you get to the title game Anything can happen, and you might be able to get yourself to a Rose Bowl. Yeah, it's it's set up for Utah to make a run here. Of yeah. course, they've got some answers to, to they've got some questions they need to answer in fall camp, is what I should say, especially along that offensive line. Mm-hmm. That offensive line is 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 able to reload. They could they'll they'll be as high powered as we all expect them to be. I think, but they've got to answer that question in particular in my mind. I think otherwise. They're pretty set up. They're pretty set up, yeah. But, I mean, I trust Hans with this stuff. And mm-hmm. if he says, if Hans Olsen is telling you there's problems with the O-line, you better believe there's problems with the O-line. 
Yeah, they've got they got to answer that question. If he tells you there's a problem somewhere on a football field I on any him. team, yeah. I trust that guy. And yeah. so if he says that, um, they better get something shored up. But other than that, I think you're right. I think they're pretty set up, health included, obviously, but that's always that. Um, one other thing I wanted to talk about, Phil Steele here, is BYU. PK asked him, okay, how do you think they're going to fare in the first month of the season? Of course, they have the four Power 5 opponents to kick off the year. Most notably, 68 days from today, they face Utah in the Holy War. Then they also face at Tennessee, home to USC, home to Washington. He felt like his forecast had BYU with one to two wins in those four games. And he said they'd all be upsets, but he feels like the Cougars can pull out at least one and possibly two wins. Yeah, I, I really want to – it's the thing. I want to watch BYU play in week one, obviously. Yes. And I want to watch the other – because I think three of them are question marks. I think the Utah game is going to be the toughest to win. I would, would agree with you. would be my opinion. Yeah. Now, it's the game that BYU is going to get up probably the most for. Well, they have been. Up. been every time they've broken right. the huddle since spring camp started, has been beat Utah. It's, it's their Super Bowl. It yeah. will be. And – so that game, I want to see how well they play, and then I want to watch what happens with USC and Washington. Because like I said about Washington, they we can give them the benefit of the doubt that they may reload, but I want to see how they play. USC, are they going to respond to being terrible? <laughs> Tennessee, the one of the most – Tennessee is almost the USC of the SEC. There's no reason they should be underperforming. That True. is a proud football program is. that has not done anything in a decade. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, And USC has been more successful than that, and they're obviously a bigger name than Tennessee maybe, but Tennessee should be a power in the SEC, and they just can't get it right. So BYU, do they have a chance to go in there and knock off the volunteers? Yeah. Well, he's got – But I want to see them all play, and I want to see if – the two home games yeah. I think are definitely the ones that they could get. Yeah, speaking of Phil Still, he said that he had Tennessee rated as a three-point favorite over BYU at this time. That's a relative toss-up yeah. in the in the betting parlance right. because you give the home team three points standard yeah. is just how it goes with betting, it seems like. But then he also said that he feels like the USC and Washington games are, in essence, toss-ups for BYU as well. So the possibility is there. If BYU comes out of September, and I guess the first four weeks, I think they have a fifth game in September at Toledo, and they're two and two, Adrian. Mm-hmm. They've set themselves up to very easily get to that eight win mark in my mind. Sure. And BYU, this is the stat that goes against Utah, is they're fourteen and four. Yeah. In their last eighteen opening P five games of a season. Okay. That's from I think Tony gave Tony gave yeah. that. He said the first game against a power five, five opponent in the last eighteen is yeah. fourteen and four for BYU. That's a good record. Yeah. But they are facing, I agree with you in this regard, the toughest Power 5 opponent they have this year, in my mind, is Utah. Is the first game yep. against Utah. I agree. So and it's good. I, I can't wait. That's going to be a fun game. But yeah, I want to see I want to see how BYU looks in that game, and, and then I want to know what the other... That's the hardest part about predict, predicting BYU's schedule, mm-hmm. is the unknowns in those front four. Oh, absolutely. Because you got a rivalry game, which is toss-up, and then yeah. three teams that we don't really know much about. Yeah. And that's why it's going to be really hard to do a preseason prediction who's gonna win what i've set my benchmark if byu gets to eight wins you call it a good year because totally. if you're eight wins and you bring back you're still bringing back a majority of that team for another year after that that's when the hype train really gets going in my mind I, and i i think a successful season for byu would be winning two out of three rivalry games and i think 
every BYU fan is in agreement with I, you. I think if you lose all three of those and still get to a bowl game, everyone's like, well, great, thanks. But that's that's I think that's part of the reason why BYU hasn't given Kalani Sitake an extension I so agree. Got to win a rival, and they have not. Yeah. Was, They've got one. They beat Utah State once. Yeah. <laughs> so he's got to do better in that yep, regard. Definitely. All right, uh, thanks to Phil Steele in the last yeah. segment. Coming up next, five oh, yeah. minutes. Oh, by, by the way, go to 1280thezone.com, catch up on it there. Catch up on it there, and check out Jake's page as he writes a lot about college football as well. Coming up next, five minutes of soccer. We're going to talk uh, the group stage is over, the U.S. Women's National Team, and what's RSL been up to? Jake has all the answers. That's all coming up next here on the Saturday Show. Welcome back. Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. And Yikes. it's time for five minutes of soccer. Australia and Norway in the uh, round of 16 opening match here. Tied 1-1. It's in the 93rd minute. And uh, Norway oh, as goodness. close as you can get. Bar. Well, off the post. And it rolls down the off line. Off the post. All the way down the line. And uh, it's 93rd, 94th minute now. Four minutes of extra time. Tied at 1-1. Maybe going extra, and then Norway just got pummeled in the box and nothing. Oh, she took an elbow right to the head. <laughs> wow. All right, well. Five minutes of soccer. We're off to a roll and start yes. with five minutes of soccer. Uh, the Women's World Cup obviously going on, uh -huh. and the United States, they move on um, to take into the uh, round of 16 as they win easily their group and are uh, did not concede one goal. Uh-huh. But a uh, pretty good start for the U.S. They got some revenge for Sweden in that Olympic loss a few years back uh, with a 2-0 win there. They face Spain Monday morning at 10 a.m. Mountain Time. I think the U.S. is still the heavy favorite. Uh, the betting odds reflect that as well. I think I, I saw online 7-5 to five odds for the U.S. to win the mm -hmm. Women's World Cup, repeat as champions. But it's been a fun World Cup so far. Yeah, definitely. And uh, it's been cool. More people than ever have been watching yes. it. So. Um, you also got Canada and Sweden will be on Mon that same day on Monday. Uh, earlier today, Germany defeated, uh, let's see, Germany defeated Nigeria 3-0. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they will be moving on as well. Germany, pretty good squad. Tomorrow, England takes on Cameroon and France will take on Brazil. That's... Did you see how Cameroon made the no, I did 16? No, Crazy. They scored a goal. We're talking Landon Donovan versus Algeria at the death-esque type thing. Really? That pushes pushed them through to the round of 16. They needed that goal, and they got it. Like, <laughs> seconds before the whistle. Blown. Very cool. Beautiful goal. Basically, their, their winger runs the whole way down the side of the pitch, takes on the center back one-on-one. -on -one. Beautiful cutback. Yep. Great shot. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah, Women's World Cup rolling on. But here locally, the Utah Royals in action last night played to a nil-nil draw I thought they were all Portland. in the uh, World Cup. They've got six of all them. All the Utah Royals. they got six of them on World Cup rosters. We're going to extra time in the Women's World Cup, it appears, between Norway and Australia. But then RSL back in action after a three-week break tonight. Adrian on the road at Chicago, kicking off the unofficial second half of the season here. They're 15 matches into a 34-match season, so – doesn't not necessarily fully halfway, but this is the unofficial halfway because you took the international break for three weeks. Mm -hmm. Big opportunity for RSL tonight. They're shorthanded. Guys like Jefferson Savarino are playing in the Copa America for Venezuela down there in South America. But if RSL wants to pile up some points, tonight would be a good good time to start doing it. They, they haven't been great since they went on that break. Well, the second half gets going. Mm-hmm. If I could jump in, I, I, I think this game is crucial for RSL okay. because the last 
two years, we've kind of seen them do this thing where they fall asleep, they don't play well for the first three or four months of the year, and then around July 4th, the past two years, they have turned it on and played like the best team in Major League Soccer for the second half of the year. If they could somehow flip that switch and get two early wins here at the end of June— the, it, the Western Conference is stacked. It is going to be extremely tight to get into even that sixth or seventh playoff spot. If they want to get in, they are going to have to get a few extra points, and those games come within the next two weeks. All right, so tonight is huge against Chicago. Six o'clock Mountain Time. You can catch it on KMYU, the KSL TV Is that TV at home app. or is that in Chicago? It's in Chicago. Okay. SeatGeek Stadium. All right, so make sure you tune into that. David RSL James fans. will be on the call. David James will be on the call. Hopefully we get a good highlight from the, on the last kick of the game. It'll be fun. But uh, All right, uh, that's five minutes of soccer. U.S. T- is back in action on Monday, so make sure you catch that. And I believe the U.S. men's men's national team is it Sunday? They play tomorrow. Yeah, they play tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay, so the the Gold Cup. The men's team will be in action tomorrow as well. And they've played really well in the Gold Cup thus far. So we'll see how that goes for them. Uh, Coming up on the other side, we're going to let you hear from Kalani Sataki, head coach at BYU, and uh, Zach Wilson, quarterback at BYU. We'll have all that for you in the three.